The first question is first. Why am I wearing a Goldie mask? Because I'm Iron Man. I am Iron Man. Hi, this is Phil Gursky, President and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting in Russell, Canada, and you're listening to Quick Hits. I've done a lot of the Marvel movies over the past little while, and I've decided that it's time to review Iron Man 3, which was released in 2013. And of all the Marvel films, it actually has quite a link to terrorism. In fact, most of the plot revolves around terrorism, which is pretty kind of cool if you think about it. So I apologize for the mask. It's the closest thing I have to an Iron Man mask. You'll notice too that I'm wearing kind of an Iron Man suit. It's actually... Um, the uh, Grimsby Peach Kings hockey team. So it's kind of like the red and gold of Iron Man. So what is Iron Man 3 all about? Well, Iron Man 3 is kind of a dark film because Tony Stark is uh, going through some things in the film. And at the very beginning of the film, he turns on the TV and he sees this guy called the Mandarin, who is basically making his debut on American TV. And he claims a terrorist attack in Kuwait that killed the wives and children of American soldiers who were deployed in that country. Then, of course, he talks to his friend, Colonel Rhodes, who says, by the way, this Mandarin, who's claimed responsibility for these attacks, has actually, there's only three the public knows about, and there's actually six more attacks that have been carried out, executed by this terrorist, this Chinese-looking guy called the Mandarin. Story goes on, and uh, Happy Hogan, who, of course, is linked to Tony Stark and uh, Pepper Potts, ends up getting seriously wounded in yet another attack that the Mandarin uh, claims. And then the Mandarin essentially hijacks U.S. airwaves and he warns the president that he's going to kill this person lying at his feet unless the president calls back troops or something. And the president does what, what, what the Mandarin wants and, and he kills him anyway. So we have this, this kind of super terrorist, kind of like an, almost like a Bin Laden figure, I think, in some ways. And the logo that is associated with this terrorist looks very Arabic to me, although I do read Arabic and it isn't really Arabic. More on that in a second. Anywho, eventually Tony finds the Mandarin and it turns out he's not really a terrorist. He's this old drunk British actor who has basically been paid in drugs and sex and alcohol to use these lines to pretend to be a terrorist. He, got his, and he has no idea what he's actually responsible for. He's essentially filming in front of a green screen. And he has no idea that the group that he is shilling for is actually killing people. Bloody hell, bloody hell. Don't move. I'm not moving. You want something? Take it. Although the guns are all fake because those wankers wouldn't trust me with the real ones. What? Hey, do you fancy either of the birds? Heard enough. You're not him, the Mandarin, the real guy. The other thing about this terrorist group is that it's essentially a guy that Stark had dismissed early in his career and he's getting revenge on Stark and his friends. And he's got this technology that makes him into some kind of a superhuman, like their, their, their limbs glow all the time and things like that. Anyhow, long story short, as in most Marvel movies, the Marvel characters win. I am the Mandarin! Although there's this bizarre scene at the end where Pepper Potts actually becomes glowing as well. Not a big fan of uh, Gwyneth Paltrow to begin with, and it's a very unbelievable scene. But from a terrorism perspective, 
from a terrorism perspective, which is what this podcast is all about. How realistic is this? Some people call me a terrorist. I consider myself a teacher. America. Ready for another lesson. I found a couple things were quasi-realistic and some were completely off the boards. So, the fact that terrorist groups use propaganda, bingo, they do that all the time. Islamic State, Al-Qaeda, they issue statements, they issue broadcasts. We saw that with Al-Qaeda in the 90s and 2000s. We're seeing it still with Islamic State. If you want to look at terrorist propaganda, I highly recommend you go to the SITE Institute, S-I-T-E. Unfortunately, it is paywalled. You have to become a member. But they feature Islamic State propaganda all the time. And a lot of the stuff that the Mandarin was spouting was typical Islamic State propaganda at least in terms of its familiarity and similarity to the stuff that I've seen. Secondly, the fact that they were targeting U.S. forces, bingo, we saw that happen as well, in the sense that for Islamist extremists, at least, the fact that American soldiers are stationed in the Middle East really pisses them off. They see the Americans as occupation forces and they want them out, and that's why they attack them. That's just about the end of the verisimilitude of terrorism in Iron Man 3. So what's wrong with how they portrayed it? Well, there's the whole superhuman thing. Terrorists are not superhuman. Most of them are losers. They're not some kind of invincible characters. They're just average humans that happen to have a bent on carrying out acts of violent extremism. They don't glow in the dark. They don't have these powers that can you know, incinerate people at will. So that part was, was, you know, surprise, surprise in a Marvel film, which deals with a lot of stuff that doesn't happen in real life, was very unrealistic. Not a great plan. But the biggest point that I have with Iron Man 3 when it comes to terrorism is the character of the Mandarin himself. Why in heaven's name did the writers of Iron Man 3 choose to portray Ben Kingsley, he's the actor, as a guy dressed in Mandarin Chinese robes when it's clear to everybody who can look at this that he is shilling for an Islamist extremist terrorist group? The footage that's shown about attacks is very, very similar to the footage you would see in Pakistan or Afghanistan or Iraq or Syria or Somalia or whatever. Very similar, in fact, to the scenes in Iron Man 1, the very first Iron Man, which of course took place in Afghanistan. So why it is that we've got a Chinese guy who is the spokesperson for this Islamist terrorist group beats me. I have no idea where they, where they chose that image. It doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. So the fact that Ben Kingsley is his propagandist, I get that. I like that part of it. But they should have suited him up in Arab garb. In other words, they should have made him look like Osama bin Laden or Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, the head of ISIS, or something else. Not like an old Chinese guy, you know, some kind of stereotypical Chinese guy from the 1930s. It was a very, very bad choice on the part of the director and the writers to do this. Not a great plan. The fact that the president would be backed into a corner and actually do something to save lives, I found that straddles verisimilitude as well. 
I think, uh, you know, we always hear that governments aren't going to kowtow to terrorists, not going to kowtow to kidnappers. And for the president to do that on live is also unrealistic. The fact that this terrorist organization was able to commandeer American airwaves, airwaves, sorry, not airwaves, airwaves right across the board, that's really hard to believe as well. Mr. President, only two lessons remain. Meet Thomas Richards. I'm going to shoot him in the head. Live on your television in 30 seconds. So all in all, for a film that uh, dealt with terrorism right from the get-go, and pretty well right to the end, which I find fascinating, they got a couple things right, and they got a couple things very, very wrong. So back to the drawing board, guys. If you want to make a film about terrorism, best off to actually hire someone that actually knows about terrorism. And in this case, you didn't, so you kind of blew it. So I'm going to remove my Iron Man mask because, of course, it is time for your guide to life from Nancy Drew and or the Hardy Boys. And we're going to go back to Nancy Drew today. <laughs> for what is worth, this is from the Mystery of Crocodile Island. This is from Nancy. If a bleeding, screaming man runs from shore and starts swimming frantically toward your boat, you should probably help him out. He might be escaping from cruel employers. So we have to have Nancy Drew tell us that if someone is screaming and he's bleeding coming towards your boat, you might want to help him. I think I learned that when I was three, Nancy, but but thank you for reminding us of that. Not sure that's the greatest bit of wisdom uh, in your guide to life. So that's my views on Iron Man 3. I, I like the film, um, but the terrorism aspect wasn't all that captivating and wasn't all that believable from my perspective. What did you think of it? Love to hear your feedback. You can reach me on email, borealisrisk at gmail.com or on Twitter at borealisaves. You'll also find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook. If you like this content want to get more, go to my website, borealisthreatenrisk.com. Hit the subscribe button to find all the content, all the blogs and podcasts free of charge daily to your inbox simply by subscribing. Also want to point out that my new book is out, The Peaceable Kingdom, a History of Terrorism in Canada from Confederation to the Present, $25 Canadian plus shipping and handling. There's a link there to order the book. And as well, to remind you that we're live. We go live Mondays and Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern with the feature Who Terrorized Who Today. We talk about all kinds of stuff to do with national security and terrorism. Love for you to join us on those evenings as well. We're having a lot of fun, a lot of interaction on, on the live stream. Anyhow, that's what I think about Iron Man 3 and terrorism. What do you think? Drop me a line. I'll talk to you again soon. Until then, stay safe.